You're listening to a BGE podcast. My name is Chris Peltz, and this is my story. After using a cane, various situations, and really dealing with the struggles of, you know, uh, the stigma of people seeing me with a cane, it was really hard. I never really came to grips with it for the longest time. I would use it because I knew I had to. I know the benefits of it, but I didn't like it. I just, you know, I knew folks were looking at me, whether they were or not, I was sure you know, that I was be I would be getting looks, you know, if, um, it was just one of those things that it's extremely hard for those who are blind or visually impaired to, uh, you know, really come to grips with and deal with when you're going through vision loss. One of the last things they want to do is, you know, admit they've gotten to that point or grab a cane and uh, feel as though you're carrying around a billboard to everyone saying, you know, I'm um, I, I'm different. I can't see like you. I can't do the things that you do. It is all these flood of thoughts and emotions that you go through, and it, it's it's it it's something that I still read and hear people going through. Um, you know, today, you know, not wanting to use a cane, not wanting to have people look at them, or feeling as though, well, I've got some vision, and so it wouldn't be right if I was to use a cane. It would almost be like you're lying to someone because, you know, you can see certain things, not very well. You know, maybe you run into a few things here and there. You bump into people. You've knocked things over, but you still have some vision, and so you just don't want to grab a cane as though you're, uh, you know, either giving in or submitting to the fact, the idea that you you can't see or you're telling folks something that they just don't understand. It, it It's a difficult thing, and it's difficult to process. And I was working through that. And at the time, someone had asked me if I've ever had a guide dog. And I was like, no. No, I, I haven't. I've never had a guide dog. I had lots of dogs. Growing up, we had lots of hounds, lots of hunting dogs. I had a German Shepherd, you know, a few times. And, you know, one of my favorite dogs was a, a huge 125-pound black with tan highlights German Shepherd named Dog. We called him DW. Man, he was awesome. But that was a long time ago still. You know, that was back in high school and... You know, this, you know, here I am in college and, uh, you know, trying to live my life and work my way through not only an education, but through this vision loss journey that I'm going through and struggling with a cane. And, and the idea of having a dog was really intriguing. It, it was it was one of those things like, man, I mean, what what would be the benefit? What would be you know, the, the reason and the purpose, how does all this work? So I started investigating and looking into not only what it was about, but I mean, I'm in college, I got no money. What's this going to cost? And 
you know, you, you look at some of the things at the time, the research that you could find, and, you know, it's like, you know, they've got $50,000 invested in these dogs. You're like, that, that'll never happen. And then you start finding out that there are schools out there that provide these dogs to you free of charge. Some of them have fees. Some of them don't. But usually those who have fees are really fairly minimal, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars. But I finally settled on a school in San Rafael, California, which is north of San Francisco, across the bay, the Golden Gate Bridge, in Marin County. Guide Dogs for the Blind Incorporated. I went through the process of not only applying for a guide dog, but they do a home visit. They had some, uh, a lady, I guess, came out and she visited with me and we took a walk with my cane and, you know, because that's one thing that they talk about. You need to have some mobility training. You need to be able to use a cane to, uh, for, for various reasons. And, you know, and that is important. And so they came out, they visited. We, I went on my walk. And they said they would get back with me. And I don't remember the exact timing, um, but it, it was, you know, a month or so later. I received notification I'd been approved and they were going to schedule a trip for me to go to California. And they paid for everything. They paid for the airline tickets. They have a, They had a campus where they would put you up. They had dorms. They fed you and they trained you. There were certain questions they asked, you know, what kind of dogs do you like? You know, what, you know, do you have any preferences? Are you set on anything particular? At the time, they had black labs, yellow labs, and German shepherds, and golden retrievers. Of course, I wanted a yellow lab. But the most important thing to me was a laid-back dog. I wanted a dog that would kick back relax and not be all up in your face just I just wanted a, a, a dog that was ready to work when I was you know needed him to but other than that was just chill because that's really how I am and how I was well <laughs> they called and did a phone interview before I was going out and they're like well we, we've got something in mind but we'll get you out here and um, you know we'll see how it goes so so it was on I flew out to California, flew into San Francisco's airport, where they picked me and several others up who were coming out to go through the guide dog training, and we were going to be there for four weeks. The first several days, we're going through getting oriented with the dorms, with the campus, and uh, talking about, uh, you know, commands and, and how to handle a dog, how to uh, work with a dog, how to praise a dog. And, and, and you know, this is in 1995, and you know, there's been a lot of changes since. And I'm sure they had gone through several changes leading up to that in their training and, and things, but they didn't have any food reward at the time. In fact, they were rather against it at that time. But, you know, they had the Juno dog, like a little carpet roll with a harness on it that you had to pretend was a dog and you had to give commands and you had to learn how to make corrections with the leash and, and the correction collar. 
you had to learn how to praise a dog. And we went through that process. And all the meantime, the trainers and everyone, all the staff, they're getting to know you, talking to you. And, and you know, they've been working and training these dogs for, you know, four to six months. And they know the dog. Now they're getting to know you. And they're trying to match you and your personality with the dog that, you know, that they've been working with and see which would be the best fit, which I thought was awesome. I, I thought that was really cool how they do that. Well, they call you into a room and they tell you, all right, you know, they everyone's together and they're going to announce to everyone what kind of dog and the dog's name and what you have. And after that, you're going to go back to your dorm and then they're going to call you one by one and bring you your dog and introduce you to your dog. So I got the news that I was getting a yellow lab named John. <laughs> it was it was pretty exciting. It, it was really cool. And I go back to my dorm room and pretty soon they call me down. And I get introduced to this huge 85, 90 pound yellow lab, thick, big block head, and chill. <laughs> I mean, chill is like, uh, in fact, chill would be exciting for this dog. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I loved it. But man, when you put the harness on him, he would go, he would pull, he would work. And, and I began to learn what it was like to travel without vision from point A to point B without running into things. And it was life-changing. It really was. It, it was amazing. It, it, it's not for everyone. And, in, and I would even say right now, it's not for me. But at the time, it, it was exactly what I needed in my life. We went through training. We walked miles and miles and miles during that training. We were presented with cars and people going through not only downtown San Rafael, we went to downtown San Francisco, we went to the Mere Woods the redwood forest we we just went to neighborhoods and and cities and just all kinds of situations parking lots stores all learning how to be independent with a dog and most importantly how to trust your dog you know when you've got a cane in your hand you have absolute control and you're swinging that cane. If it hits something, then you know you're having that feedback. You know it's there. You know what is uh, what you're hitting. You know you can feel it. You can go around it. And there, there's something that is really good about that. And that's something they even emphasize at the guide dog school. This is something, you know, that uh, it's still good to have a cane because every once in a while you're going to find yourself in a situation you're going to want to know what was there. And sometimes you'll feel your dog go around something and maybe you want to know what it is that dog went around. Maybe goes around something at the same spot every time and a 
route that you travel often. You can get your cane out and you can find whatever it is he's gone around and know what it is. Well, that's the thing about a dog as opposed to a cane. You cross the street, you get to the other side, and, and you give that command to go forward. That dog goes until he gets to the next point where he has to stop. And if there's something he has to go around, he just simply maneuvers you in the safest way possible around that obstacle. And sometimes you can feel subtle movements. Sometimes you can feel very exaggerated movements to the right or to the left. And as you follow your dog, you have to trust him to know that what he is doing, he's doing for you and for your safety. And that's not easy. You know, here, here you are so concerned about the way people look at you, the way people think about you, you're holding a cane, and now you're, in essence, putting your life in the hands of this dog because cars will pull out in front of you, cars will back up out of driveways. That dog has the responsibility of stopping, pulling harder, pushing, pulling, getting you in to safety and sometimes you don't know exactly what's happening why he's making the moves that he's making why he's going left when you think he should have went right or vice versa but you have to trust your dog and it's for some people it's a lot easier than for others at that time it it was really easy for me it, not that I didn't have any doubt or any questioning or ever occasionally didn't, you know, like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, why is he doing this? I, I did that, you know, and I'd have to be, hey, trust your dog. Let your dog work. This is what he's been trained for. And, you know, giving that over to him was scary, but... It, it was liberating at the same time. It, it was just it was just something that made me feel a little bit more normal than the cane did. And one of the things that I found in using that dog and having John by my side, oh, I still got a lot of looks. People were always looking, but they weren't as much looking at me and not saying anything. But rather, they were looking at the dog and they were talking to me. I mean, they were, oh, what a beautiful dog. Man, that's awesome. What a great dog. That's, you know, can I pet him? Or, I mean, just the interaction between myself and people completely changed. And the dog was great for that. It was one of those things that... You know, after we had gone, and, and I, you know, I was doing that and having that experience just in training. People, you know, who see guide dogs all the time in training would still, you know, comment on the dog and want to pet the dog or ask questions about the dog and, and interact with you in a way that made you feel normal. And sometimes it's hard to explain depending on the experiences you've had. But I was finding that having a dog was was really changing my life. So I returned back home to Springfield, Missouri, and here I am with this dog. And uh, at the time, it was the summer. I wasn't in any classes. 
actually moved to another apartment and took a semester off from classes and learned how to maneuver, how to walk, and, and how to live with a dog, a companion, someone who didn't look at me as different or odd, but someone who, who relied upon me just as much as I relied upon him. It was different because even growing up, while we had a lot of dogs, we never had a dog in the house. And so that, that was a big change. I mean, this was having a dog in the house, in the apartment with me, was something that was definitely different. And it wasn't always great. Not all the interactions were great. You know, uh, coming over to someone's house, sometimes the dog wasn't welcome. You know, they didn't want a dog in their house, or they didn't want a dog in their vehicle. They, you know, the, it, it. sometimes it was, at the time, a little bit hurtful. Um, while they didn't mean, it wasn't anything about blindness, it wasn't anything about that. And as much as many times you hear those who are blind or visually impaired with a guide dog, you know, this is, this is me, and, th and that's a decision you can make. Listen, this is... Me, the dog is me, an extension of me. If the dog's not welcome, then I'm not welcome. And some have made that decision. They carry on that way. And that's maybe the right decision for them. I was a little bit more understanding. Sometimes there's allergies. Some, yeah, there's, who knows what the situation is. You know, there's a lot of people that are scared to death of dogs. And sometimes there are those who have dogs of their own in their own home. You're coming onto their property, their grounds. They want you there, but you have to be respectful of them and, and their home and their situation. One of the things they taught us in training is while the dogs are allowed to go in most places, even zoos, they highly recommended that you never take your guide dog to a zoo. You might wonder, well, why? Why is that? Well... Not only might it stress out the animals at the zoo who are used to people, but not necessarily other animals like a dog. But those animals can stress out your dog. That's not something your dog has been, you know, is, is used to seeing or has been around. And, you know, that, that can be kind of stressful, having another animal like that, sometimes very close. And so those there are certain times, certain situations you need to, respect the circumstances that you're going into and realize that maybe it's not the best thing to take your dog into that situation. And sometimes with people, it's the same thing. You know, it's not that they don't want you there. If they didn't want you there, and maybe not even that they don't like your dog, but for one reason or another in their home, you know, they don't want the dog in their home. And that needs to be respected it needs to be cordial. It needs to be nice and not rude about it on both sides of those things. But sometimes just a teaching moment, you know, and understanding. Listen, I appreciate the invitation, but you know, this this dog is as much a part of me as my hand. You know, he's my eyes. And you know, if I was sighted, I wouldn't take my eyes out to come into your home. I'm not going to, you know, leave my dog. And that's your choice. That's something you can do. And, um, but it is something that I think a lot of people don't understand how dependent we become on those dogs and how it makes us feel 
when we are traveling and walking with a dog as opposed to a cane. It's just so different. And it's not for everyone. There's a lot of upkeep. There's a lot of grooming. There, you know, there's a lot of cleanup. There, there's a lot of things you have to go through. There's, you know, there's vets. There's, there's, you know, instances where maybe a dog gets sick or maybe you're sick and you can't walk the dog. There's lots of things that need to be considered in going into a dog, but you're taking on a huge responsibility. But at the same time, there's so much more to be gained in many instances with a dog for some people. And again, it's not for everyone. In fact, in this time in my life right now, it, it's not for me. But there has been a time, and I'll never forget that time when I received John. We nicknamed him Bubba. Just a little bit about Bubba to show you the, some of the personality <laughs> that he had. I mean, that dog would fall asleep anywhere. And sometimes I couldn't wake him up. I'd literally drag him. I'd drag his, grab his tail and his legs and just drag him because he would be sleeping. He'd fall asleep with his head leaning up against a wall and be snoring. I'd grab his legs and pull him. His head would hit the ground, and <laughs> he wouldn't move. But as soon as I grabbed that harness, man, he was up, and he was ready to work. And he worked awesome. He worked great. We got back home. He loved to cuddle up. He loved to curl up with you. He loved to be petted. But he was the laziest dog I'd ever been around, and, and I loved it. It's exactly what I wanted, what I'd asked for. And, uh, and my interaction with people changed so much with that dog. Not all of it was good, but my confidence and the way that I lived completely changed for the better because of that guide dog.